You're listening to the May 12th edition of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. And we are going to jump right in where we left off in our reading in the One Year Bible by picking up our Old Testament reading in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and 13. And you remember where we are in the uh, story. The Israelites have their very first king. They didn't want God to be their king anymore. They wanted to have a king like all the other kingdoms. God said, fine, have your way. And the king that they get is a guy named Saul. And Saul's just beginning his reign, a young man. And uh, he had his first victory in our last reading. And now here we are, chapter 12. Here we go. Then Samuel addressed all Israel. I have done as you asked and given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand here before you, an old, gray-haired man, and my sons serve you. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord before his anointed one. Whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe and perverted justice? Tell me and I will make right whatever I have done wrong. No, they replied. You've never cheated or oppressed us and you have never taken even a single bribe. The Lord and his anointed one are my witnesses today, Samuel declared, that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. It was the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, Samuel continued. He brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt. Now, stand here quietly before the Lord as I remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. When the Israelites were in Egypt and cried out to the Lord, he sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them from Egypt and to bring them into this land. But the people soon forgot about the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Haziar's army, and also to the Philistines, and to the king of Moab, who fought against them. Then they cried to the Lord again and confessed, We have sinned by turning away from the Lord and worshipping the images of Baal and Ashtaroth. But we will worship you and you alone, if you will rescue us from our enemies. Then the Lord sent Gibeon, Bidion, Jephath, and Samuel to save you, and you lived in safety. But when you were afraid of Nashon, the king of Ammon, you came to me and said that you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. All right, here is the king you have chosen. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be heavy upon you, as it was upon your ancestors. Now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die. They all said to Samuel, For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart, and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people, because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me... I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. 
and I will continue to teach you what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve Him. Think of all the wonderful things He has done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your king will be swept away. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 42 years. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Mishkim and the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son Jonathan to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of Philistines at Giva. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews hear this, rise up in revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Giva, and that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Mizpah, east of beth The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilgad. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, Bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing up with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him, but Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines were at Mizpah, ready to battle. So I said, The Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Samuel then left Gilgal and went on his way. But the rest of the troops went with Saul to meet the army. They went up to Gilgal and Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, he found only 600 were left. Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at Geba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines set up their camp at Mizpah. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north toward Orpha in the land of Sheol. Another went west to Beth Horon, and the third moved toward the border above the valley of Zibium near the wilderness. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spheres for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an axe or making the point of an axe goad. So on the day of battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or sphere except for Saul and Jonathan. The pass at Mizpah had, meanwhile, been secured by a contingent of the Philistine.
army. Moving on to the New Testament, John chapter 7, verses 1 through 30. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go any time. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued, he's a good man, but others said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And by the way, that's still the way people talk about Jesus. Some would say he's a good man. Um, but really, if he's if, if he's not God, then he's not a good man. So really, there's only two camps. You either say he is who he says he is. He's God. He's the risen Savior. Or he has to be what the other people would say in this story, and that is that he's nothing but a fraud. Like Jesus is the risen Savior. Or he is a lunatic. There's no in-between. You can't call yourself God and uh, and and still just kind of be a decent person. You know, he's either led a whole bunch of people down a path that is completely wrong, or he is who he says he is. Those of us who would be Christ followers would say he is who he says he is. Well, why do you believe that? Well, primarily because I felt the impact in my own life. Secondarily, um, and at different points in my life, maybe primarily, uh, because the evidence is so mounting that he is actually who he says he is, and he did actually what he said he would do. We cannot find his body, and yet we have more evidence that he existed than anybody else that lived during this time by gobs and gobs of amounts of evidence. So who is he to you? That's the question you have to answer. Anyways, picking back up. Then, midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, You're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath, too, when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is, speaking in public, and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? 
But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I come from. But I am not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him, because I come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. And that concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to the proverb of the day, Proverbs 15.4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And finally, we will be reading prayerfully Psalm 108. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh too. Ephraim my helmet will produce my warriors, and Judah my scepter will produce my kings. But Moab my washbasin will become my servant. And I will wipe my feet on Edom, and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edom? Have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies. For all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things. For he will trample down our foes. Yes, God, human help is useless. In fact, that is a large part um, of, of the gospel. It is why the gospel is the gospel. It's news, not advice. If it was advice, it would be something I could do to earn it. News is something that has happened that I simply respond to. And that news is that you came. Uh, and Jesus Christ, you lived the perfect life I could never live. Righteous and holy. Died the death I deserved to die. Atoning in every way. Purifying those who would trust in you. And then you rose again gloriously as new creation bursting forth. Defeating evil. Defeating sin. Paying for the sin that I owed to the wrath of God. And Lord, promising that I too would get to participate in that new creation if I trusted in your son, Jesus. Good news for my past because my sins are forgiven. Good news for my present because you've given me your Holy Spirit to transform me and to sanctify me and to give me the power I need to be on the mission in which you have given me. And Lord, you've given me a future hope that I one day will share in your righteousness and your reward for your righteousness that I do not deserve and yet I've been given freely Lord and one day we will all who believe in you who trust in you be in your kingdom and there will be no death there will be no sin there will be no sickness and Lord we await that day eagerly it is in your name we pray amen well thanks for joining me today hope to see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the bible together